Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. And welcome to episode 72. Um, life happened last week, so there was um, kind of no podcast episode, but that's okay. Um, Tom, I'm Thomas, and there is Shay. Hey, everybody. Um, two topics we're going to talk about today, and that's kind of keeping in theme with Unix and overlooked pop culture. Um Ubuntu is going to be kind of sort of the subject of today because um, BQ, the European phone maker, has started selling the Aquarius E 4.5, their Ubuntu edition. It's with has Ubuntu on it. Unfortunately, not available in the U.S. Um, what What are your thoughts on this thing? Oh. Uh, I'm, Somebody's name. Oh, the, the dogs were being annoying. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, yeah. looking into this phone lately, um, and I was actually going to order one today if I had the opportunity, but when I was looking into it, I think yesterday, I noticed that BQ, the company that makes the phone, does not ship to the United States. They only ship to mostly just places in Europe, and they don't ship outside of Europe. They ship to Ireland, Great Britain, uh, Spain. They're a Spanish company, so I mean, it would just be ground shipping there. Uh, France, and then there's a couple other places. But you, the United States is not one of them. And I, I tried contacting the company. I sent them an email basically saying, hey, um, I'd really like to have this phone. I'm willing to pay extra shipping if it's possible. Uh, I work for this podcast. I, sh- I sent them a link to this site and in hopes that we could get one that we could use for maybe a future podcast or something like that. So I haven't received a response yet, and I did the, did the email in English, so the mean, <laughs> I didn't think about that because the response email that I got was all in Spanish. So... Well, they, they they have translations in English as well, so somebody... I assume they would, but... Um, one of the things that I looked at it on it, this thing apparently does not appear to do 4G LTE at all. It's just uh, HPSA is the highest speed capable on this thing. So I'm, I'm guessing. So I'm guessing that uh, this thing's not going to be. You're not going to be jumping on like. AT&T's 4G LTE network with something like this, it, it's going to be 3G at maximum speed. Uh, well, actually, HSP, is it HSPA or HSPA Plus? I think Plus is what it said according to the Okay, specs. if that's the case, HSPA Plus is actually pseudo 4G. It was the original implementation of 4G. It's what T-Mobile decided to come up with. So, and and looking at this, some of the specs are barely better than, say, a Galaxy S2 from what I'm looking at. Um, webupdate.org says it's 8 megapixel rear interpolated, but 
their website says eight to thirteen, which I'm kind of confused on, but okay. Yeah, it's HSPA plus, so that's like the. It's basically slightly faster than three G. Yeah, it, I don't know why it says three G HSPA plus because it's HSPA plus is actually four G. Like in my phone right now, it'll say. Okay, I'm on Wi-Fi, so I'll have to show you in a second. But um, it'll say whether or not it's three G or HSPA plus. It'll have a little H next to it. Okay. I don't know if you can see that. Okay, give it a second. It's Do you see the little indicator? Uh, it's focusing. I'm having a hard time holding the thing still. So. Okay, well, either way, it says it'll say whether it's 3G or HSPA Plus on my phone. On my old Samsung Galaxy S2, it would say just 4G. And I don't think the S2 had anything better than HSPA Plus. It said 4G, but that's what it, what it is. So the, the speeds are decent enough that you won't have to worry about too much. I mean, and, unless you are on AT&T's network, like in your case, where you do get the ultra-fast LTE, um, in my case, it wouldn't benefit me because I don't have LTE right now, so... I mostly just want the phone. <laughs> right. It, it, I, I believe Family Mobile has been doing the now with LTE, but I haven't received uh, anything on it yet. So, but um, this thing's apparently. For early adopters, obviously, um, web update says that the operating system is is fairly decent, but it's about average hardware. And they they were kind of frustrated with the with the flash, um, the flash not being the best, and they didn't know if it was a hardware issue or if it was on the you know software end of things. But they had an example of a picture where flash just kind of made a picture basically almost unviewable. The guy took a picture of himself with it, and, well, it was just... He was kind of frustrated with that, but... Um, I find the flash sales interesting. Like, you can only buy it during a certain time, you know, kind of that sort of thing, and, and all of that. Um, do you think that, you know, Kind of a marketing ploy, sort of like how Google Plus was a an invite-only kind of thing. It kind of limited who could go in at a given time. So, I don't know. If it were available in the U.S., I, I assume you would basically jump all over it. I would, yes. <laughs> I've been looking forward to having an Ubuntu phone. Not the, I don't have anything against Android. I really do like Android, but uh, especially over iOS. And there's nothing wrong with iOS. I just don't feel like I have control. And Apple really does try to lock you out of things when it comes to an iPhone. Like, you can't... There's there's, there's a lot of things that you can do on an Android phone that was, will never be possible on an iOS device. 
And that's not because of the operating system. That's just because of Apple's uh, design scheme for iOS. And I want something that's raw Linux. Android is Linux, but it's it's uh, Android on top of Linux, using the kernel. So the hardware is all controlled by the kernel, but all your software stuff is based on Java. So you have you have a slight performance. Uh, loss with that there. If you have something like the Ubuntu phone, which apps can be written in HTML5, which is now starting to mature more and can be much much faster than it was originally. Uh, they also have their own uh, programming language that they consider, well, it's not their own, but it's what they consider the default for the Ubuntu phone and the new Ubuntu operating system whenever uh, Unity 8 finally gets pushed out. It's, uh, what was it? QML. Yes. It's basically like a JavaScript C hybrid kind of thing. It's weird. I've looked into it and messed with it a little bit. It's more native, though, isn't it? Yes, it is more native. And that's that's the, you get a speed benefit because of that. Because it's it's not, if I'm not mistaken, it's not, uh, it's not interpreted. And Java's not interpreted either. Java's actually a hybrid language. For those of you that don't know, a hybrid language is where it, it's a combination of interpretation and uh, compilation. So, like, if you have a program that's written in, like, C or C++, the source code gets compiled down all the way down to assembly code and gets assembled into machine language all in one step through the compiler. A... In purely interpreted language, your source code gets ran through a program, which the program takes that and then interprets it into machine code, which is slower, much slower. Now, a hybrid language, in the case of Java, does a little bit of both. And the way that Java does it is it compiles it into what's called bytecode, which is almost kind of like machine language. It's not readable by a normal text editor or anything like that but it's not a full executive program. It still has to be run through the Java virtual machine. So it's faster than another uh, normal uh, 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 interpreted language, but slower than a purely compiled language. And, and hopefully they'll be able to give, whoever gets a hold of this will be able to give feedback and say, hey, this is not working like it should, or I saw some of the screenshots. The edge is very, very, edges are very interesting. Very, and so are the scope. Pardon? The, the bezels, well, not the bezels, but the side of the screen, for like a lot of the gestures of the phone, it's based on swipes from the side, left, up, and uh, the top and the bottom. It's real thin on the sides. And the sides are also uh, like slightly rounded, I think, right? Slight curvature on the back. Yeah. Like, and the scopes, scopes concept is kind of, kind of cool. I can see how it could be useful where you're wanting to view multiple pieces of information at once, though the phone I have, even with multi-window mode, it's kind of, kind of, a kind of kludge in and of itself. I've, but, but with 
um, scopes, you can kind of see more, a little bit more once than just two items. But um, but yeah, th this thing is clearly for early adopters because I don't I don't think they're quite done with it's uh, Ubuntu Touch has gotten more mature, but I don't think they're quite done with it yet. I don't think so either. They've made a lot of progress in the last year. Uh, the, up until this point, it's been kind of like, uh, oh, I can't think of a project to really compare it to, but it's been just really rough for Canonical to get things working correctly. They've had to, they've, they dropped support for an original um, window manager, which uh, they they tried to make Wayland, and that they just threw that away really quick, and then everybody else picked it up because it was a good idea. Now I don't, I'm not 100% sure what the reason was for dropping it. I think it was some features or something that they wanted to add in that it wasn't going to work well or something. So that's why they adopted Mir instead. And then Mir's just been super troublesome for them to implement. And it's pr I think it's primarily because they want desktop convergence, desktop and mobile convergence and, and run it on the same software platform. Because And with Mir, um, they would have a little bit more direct control over it. It's... Um, you know, kind of like that control versus, you know, choice kind of thing. A similar conflict that we're kind of seeing with System D. On the one hand, it sounds nice and convenient. On the other hand, all, the, all of a sudden, all the software is now depending upon it. And if somebody like GNOME and everything else, that's like, so it's, I think it's more of a control thing on Canonical's part. If if they can control something like this, sort of like why Google um, forked um, WebKit and created their own web rend uh, rendering engine, so they have a little bit more control over the direction they're wanting to go in. But, um, that is uh, the Blink engine, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. And so, like, so, like, and the, you know, they've had, and they've also had conflict with, with um, developers with, I believe, uh, who are developing, you know, open source graphics drivers for Intel graphics and things like that, and some of their fixes for, like, Xmere were rejected and things like that. So, yeah, they've had, they've had it pretty rough. I'll, I'll agree on that one. But they have made some progress, too. It's just... It was after that, after that marketing campaign on Indiegogo, which is all it really was, they... They set their fundraising goal un impossibly high so that if they did succeed, well, they were going to blast off. But if they didn't, they could use it as marketing material saying we didn't quite reach this goal, but we came close. People are interested in this idea. So... Looking back now, I think that if they had succeeded, 
in the long term, they would have failed. Because there is such thing as being way too successful way too quickly. Especially if it's software that they haven't quite gotten to a mature point yet. So... Hopefully, the, hopefully Ubuntu Phone will be available in the U.S. at some point. Uh, but well, for now, we'll... On their site, they're claiming that there's supposed to be more of the Ubuntu Phone coming. This is just, uh, for, like it says, for early adopters. And from what I've seen of the device, from some of the videos and stuff that I've seen, it looks like it performs very well for be, uh, the state of the software, really. And, but, again, they've made leaps and bounds lately. With when it comes to their touch-based interface and everything, and I haven't seen any problems yet, but I'm sure they will probably hear something if there are going to be issues with the software. Right. So um, only time will tell, and perhaps letting a few people in at a time and creating kind of a focus group thing may help improve their product. Um, but moving right along. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I you know video games I have not been you know into them as much as I was years ago but um, I do like watching people play them and one of the people one of the studios behind the successful Fallout series and I've watched people play Fallout Three it looks very very entertaining especially when you the character fires the gun at the creature's head, and all of a sudden, it the camera pans in right to their head, and just it, it, it and other elements of it, including plastic surgery and things like that. The, the whole thing is just truly magical. And using the little avatars to show how much damage you have, or health you have, or lack thereof. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can. I can see how people would enjoy that game. Um, I think you even has its own <laughs> Nuka Cola, everything else. Um, you brought to my attention that uh, Bethesda is going to E3, you know, hold a conference at E3 for the very first uh, uh, time. It's um, they haven't done this before, and it's been like. There are rumors of um, Fallout 4, um, Polygon's talking about it. Um, uh, Forbes also has an opinion piece going, will they announce Fallout 4 at their first ever E3 event? Um, their Bethblog.com, their, their blog has, you know, they're... they're Says first ever E3 conference. Save me a seat. They have, they have, um, li- they have uh, links to where you can see it online and everything else. I guess in case you can't go in person, I guess they're inviting some people too, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, they've they've developed they've helped develop a few games that are pretty well known. Dishonored. Um, I think that the newer Wolfenstein. It's, um, uh, a lot of the new games that have come out like those are a lot of projects that 
Bethesda has either sent to one of their underlying um, departments or worked with another group. Like in the case of uh, Wolfenstein: A New Order, which is a game that I played. It's an excellent game, by the way. So if you're if you're big into that, uh, or, or big into the Wolfenstein series, there's a little bit of an Easter egg in there that you'll definitely love. But uh, they they hired an external company, and I I don't know if they hired them or actually acquired them. I can't remember the details on it. But the the name of the company is Machine Machine Games. I think that's correct. Yeah, Machine Games, and uh, I think they did an excellent job with this new with that that new game. Um, but Bethesda hasn't put out a new game, with the exception of Elder Scrolls Online, since the release of Skyrim, which was in 2011. And that was four years ago. So, this so, is, this so is they, really big news. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm almost half wondering if they're not going to do this whole Rick Morale and then just basically say, um, well, we trolled all of you. I hope not, but it would be funny if that was the case. Um, They'd have a lot of angry gamers. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. It might be worse than Gamergate. Just because oh. now, I've fallen prone to a lot of the clickbait that's out there. Like, Okay, I'm a big Fallout fan. I haven't played the original series, but I've played New Vegas and Fallout 3. There's also a mod that combines the two of them and runs it in the New Vegas engine. It's actually excellent. I've been playing it. It's amazing. But both of those games are so, so good. The New Vegas did a much better job of sticking to the original series, the original two, rather than Fallout 3. But I'm not going to say that Fallout 3 is horrible because it's still an excellent game. It's just so good. But I completely forgot where I was going with that. Um... Either way, it's a good game. <laughs> but uh, clearly, they they have a reason for for uh, doing this. It may not be a Fallout sequel. It may not be a Elder Scrolls sequel or anything like that. But it could be something else entirely. It's likely it's something very very groundbreaking that they're going to be doing and that they've been working quietly on in the background and everything else. So it's kind of building the suspense a little bit. And it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Pardon? <laughs> Bethesda has a bad habit of doing that. They've done that before. Like They did that before they did the Fallout games. They did that before... Uh, Every, uh, every time that there was going to be an Elder Scrolls release, they don't release any information. Uh, so they really, they really try to bring up hype, and then, well, I mean, every game they've released that I've played, uh, for example, Skyrim, uh, I've played Oblivion, but I didn't like it too much, mostly because of the graphics, because I played Skyrim first, so I've fallen prone to the... Uh, I'm, I guess I'm uh, spoiled to new graphics. So, right. But anyway, all of their games are just excellent. And I even played the beta for Elder Scrolls Online, and it was really good. Now, for those of you that are, like, um, Elder Scrolls fans, Elder Scrolls Online was probably not your deal because they, it's, not, it's not as engaging when it comes to the story as, like, the other games. But you still have the open-world feeling, go out and explore. Not as many hidden little things in there. 
and but the combat's much different. The combat's very engaging. That's what I found the most entertaining about the uh, Elder Scrolls Online game. Well, and and again, it's it's a very very neat um, thing knowing that uh, company out there is just they're basically underselling and over delivering. So, and. <laughs> And that's, I think that's the key to being very successful in something like that is just working quietly in the background and make sure the thing works very, very well. Um, so I think E3 is this June, so hopefully we'll find out more of what they're doing this June. Um, but um, we actually have a kind of a... Uh, extra bonus content of sorts. Are you getting a the next generation of Raspberry Pi? Hopefully Pi 2? Hopefully soon. Um, for those of you that don't know, the Raspberry Pi Foundation just released, okay, recently in the last, I think, year, they released a newer version of the Raspberry Pi Model B, and that's the Raspberry Pi Model B Plus, which... All it really did was just add a couple USB ports. I think it got rid of the legacy video connector, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, other than that, every, the hardware is pretty much identical. So if you had an original Raspberry Pi, any cases, like, like for example, I have my Raspberry Pi, which I haven't messed with for a long time, actually, because I have my PS4 hooked up to my TV now, so I don't need a media center, which is what I was using before. But this case is only for the the B plus and the B plus has here you have two two USB ports for the original model B. The B plus has another set of two USB ports right here. And I'm pretty sure they get rid of this legacy connector and then the audio connector right here is moved over to here to next to the HDMI port, if I'm not mistaken. But the biggest thing about the Raspberry Pi 2 is it's pretty much a B plus with newer hardware. It's got a quad-core Broadcom 900 megahertz processor with the same um, graphics processing unit and twice as much RAM as the original Model B and B+. So you have a quad-core processor with a gig of RAM on something that still runs under the same power envelope, which is less than, it's less than a watt. I think it's actually 0.5 watts that it can run on. Unless you overclock which which I've seen screenshots already of people remote controlling it with an overclocking of over a gigahertz, eleven hundred megahertz. One so far, that's the most stable. But um, that is um, the this whole Internet of Things is coming out, and Microsoft is offering um, copies of. Windows 10 for Pi developers, although um, imagining that the desktop mode wouldn't be available, it would just be the you know just the HTML-based tile interface, the modern UI as they call it. Um, but um, ticket, you're going to try getting a hold of a copy of Windows 10. I have an evaluation copy already. I have an evaluation copy. I've been running in a virtual machine, trying it out, and it's 
it's a nice refresh. I'll say that much. I uh, in the past, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the podcast that I have a Windows 8 tablet. It's the Dell Venue 8 Pro. Does not do well for uh, schoolwork. It, it, it's great for taking notes. It's great for browsing the internet, playing some basic games and stuff like that. When it comes to programming, I would not recommend it. And it's it is Windows 8.1, but if you if you have that operating system on it, uh, like a normal desktop computer, like what I'm using right now, or what I'm assuming you're using your desktop, right, uh, Thomas? Oh yeah. So if you have a normal desktop like that, you don't have a start menu. You have the start screen, which is something that uh, Microsoft was really trying to push with this new operating system. Is that they want you to be able to have something that's touch friendly. Your desktop, you can poke your monitor and say, "I, I want to start Google Chrome." Touch it, and it pops up. It pops up in full screen mode. Every app was supposed to be that way. Now you still had a desktop that came with it, but you had to get through the start menu, uh, start screen to get there. And a lot of diehard Windows users that were used to the start button and the start menu on your desktop freaked out <laughs> because it's not what they're used to, and it was a very, very no. radical change. And and for some, it made their workflow a little bit more difficult than they thought was necessary. Um, I personally could sort of get around it. There, what I've seen of screenshots of their of their new start menu with the tiles kind of integrated into that menu uh, kind of makes more sense to me. I'm curious how how the how their Internet of Things adaptation for the Pi Two will work. As well, um, since this is an ARM-based system we're talking about here, so so I'm definitely looking forward to to it. Um, so I'd say a review would be in order as soon as one of us got a hold of it. You'd have to get a new case for it, yeah, based I, on conversations we've had. Um. I mean, I like this, and I really don't want to give this up. Oh, another change I forgot to mention is that the original Model B and Model A had a full SD card slot on the back of the Raspberry Pi. The new Model B Plus and Raspberry Pi 2 have a micro SD card slot, which was to save space, uh, among other things. So now I can't use the same SD card, which is... Okay, it wasn't just a class four, so I didn't have anything fast, but it was 16 gigs. So now I'll have to buy. I, if I wanted to get the new one, I'll have to get a SD card as well. Uh, but I can use pretty much anything else that I've used for it, which was this keyboard that I was using for it. Um, and it hooks up the HDMI. I could just hook it up to my TV again. But it might be a while before I get to that. I'm busy this semester, so. <laughs> Oh yeah, but but yeah, I'd say I'd say an un, uh, doing the whole unboxing and everything would be in order. And speaking of unboxing, um, uh, got this in the mail, PayPal here, mobile credit card reader. So as things expand out, this this will be one of the tools I use or try to use. Um, kind of discovered the hardware, though, that if I tried to use it in this phone, I'd basically have to take the case off 
because otherwise it will not go all the way into the headphone jack. <laughs> so um, I, I ran into a similar issue with the square reader, but um, I do have an unboxing video. Um, it, it, it'll definitely be uploaded after this, after we get done recording this episode. So uh, stay and Stay tuned for that, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the next report. Um, we already have five subscribers, so hooray. Um, and I think that'll that'll for this episode. So I'm Thomas. And I'm Shaggy. Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Check us out at thenextreport.com, where we are also on Facebook, Google+, Twitter. Uh, We're also on Tumblr. So, So we'll see you all next week. See you guys later. Have fun.